Hello and welcome to whatever this is or isn't or will be, otherwise known as to whom it may concern. And it may concern you, dear listener. Welcome to 2022. Welcome to season two of this podcast. decided to end the other one early because I wanted to open a new season, a new year with a new season. And generally, I wanted to give my time, my brain some space to really think and scope out exactly what it is that I want to dive into. And I believe that I found a very important topic to break down or to digest or to lay out on the table and understand all of its pieces (laughs) okay maybe all of its pieces is too tall of a task but understand it i realize that i am on a mission of uncovering the pattern of flow uncovering the pattern of the human psyche if this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast and this is the first episode that you ran into First and foremost, welcome. I hope you do enjoy what you hear and welcome to my flow. And I hope that you find something in this flow to feed into yours, into your, what I call the optimal experience of you as a human being. Um, I hope that my peace of mind can offer you some pieces of mind to, to play around with and to experience to maybe help see things from a different perspectives or through a different filter. Um, and the podcast here began with me reading from a journal um, that I've been writing on for the past 10 years of my life. And I've used that as a trampoline, so to speak, into different aspects of thought and uh, uh, perspectives of thought, basically, on on experiences that I've had over life, feelings that I've felt, and um, places that I've been, either emotionally, physically, mentally. And all throughout, I, I, I have an internal system of a philosopher and an artist that are always battling each other. So at times I may sound oddly romantic and at times I may sound oddly philosophical and then at times they're both like warring at each other. But it helps me get into the state of flow where I'm shuffling between the two and new thoughts keep bubbling up. Uh, I'm a game designer by trade, by the way, so that also kind of maybe helps me uh, put those thoughts together into some pattern that I can observe. I don't know which came first. I'm pretty sure observation of pattern came first. So this particular episode is going to be the beginning of what I'm uh, of a series that I am calling I don't know how to connect with you. And here's why. And I want to break down the meaning starting from like the meaning of connection to understanding the pattern of connection like and do we know and how we can actually draw parallels from human connection to nature to what's outside of us and to what's within us is there a is there a pattern of connection that we can observe in our social uh constructs that we have created over years right that is there uh what does it mean to be disconnected and how does it affect our bodies how does connection with other people actually affect our bodies and affect our homeostasis and affect our well-being generally and how do we establish our values how do we establish um how do we connect to the rest of to the communities outside of ourselves to feel like we belong and what does it truly mean to belong and how can i as an individual actually help myself uh be able to contribute more of myself and to feel more of value in my community and within myself as well right like intrinsically and extrinsically and moving on from a place of understanding right these patterns moving on to a place of what do we do like what are the next steps what has humanity already kind of understood as a process of rewiring our brains to create a stronger system a stronger neural stronger neural pathways that enable us to to feel better and to, to be safer essentially in our environment and by safer I don't exclusively mean physically, I also mean emotionally, psychologically, uh, slash mentally, right? 
And there are things like metacognition and neuroplasticity. These are new words that are almost becoming buzzwords, but I really want to break them down and I want to put them together into a series of trying to understand um, what connection truly is and where does it begin, right? And why I chose to name it, I don't know how to connect with you. And here's why is because of a personal experience that I've had over the past well, over for the most part of my life, where I've constantly felt like I'm on the edge skirts of, uh, or the outskirts of connecting to some community, to my to my surrounding, to my environment, um, and you know, I will talk more about this in the upcoming episodes. But for sure, then you know, you 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 spend your whole life trying to understand what it is and where do you even begin with this process? Like, how do I even understand then? How do we connect to each other? And what is the case here? You know, what is what is it changing? So these this being an observer, I guess, of life and of the life around me and of the people around me and generally being in love with people has helped me has helped me better understand my environment and now has helped me and now with this podcast I want to use it as a way of really putting those thoughts together or at least through flow see how they connect to each other and where um where can can we go with this thought so if I can get you more engaged please let me know um I do say in the end of this upcoming episode there is a way to send voice messages through this podcast if you do have something to share, if something bubbles up in your brain and connects with something in your mind, then please share it with me. I, I would love to hear anecdotes from you. If you have something to share with me that you think would feed into this flow and would actually um, help it thrive and help it go somewhere more concrete and objective. Um, so yes, like I said, I have this mission of actually unco of uncovering this pattern of flow. So help me get there. For sure, the people that I surround myself with help me get there every day of my life steadily but surely like we can maybe expand that 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 circle and i don't know where it's gonna go but let's see i mean it's gonna be interesting so join me in this flow may you find something in it to feed into yours wherever you are in the world it's been fascinating for me to see that there are listeners from pretty much all over the world even though there's a few of you still of course it's just very curious to know where you guys are coming from or where you guys are living like where are you guys spending your every day like here in warsaw i have a fascination with just walking around places that i start living in like new places that i go to it doesn't matter if it's the same city, if I just am going to change my apartment or, you know, let me paint you a picture. So let me paint you a picture. In the past five years, more or less, of my, of my life, I have basically changed my place of living, my home, uh, upwards of 15 times. And of those 15 times, last year, I'm going to say I changed my home uh, maybe upwards of six or seven of those times, just within the year. And this has happened because I was traveling, one, I was traveling a lot between uh, Poland and Kosovo, but also because in, 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 in the interim, I decided to move out of Kosovo and abruptly move back to Poland, basically planless. And even when I was in Kosovo, I'd have to change my living space a couple of times uh, while I was renovating my, my home, kind of preparing it for somebody else to move in there and whatnot. Right, so very, very complicated situation. I'll tell you this, it took a toll on my body, for sure. Like moving a lot, moving around like that, even if just for fun, eventually starts to take a toll on your body if you're not used to it. And I for sure was not used to it. And for sure, I did not ease into it. I've lived in a few different countries and I've lived in a few different places within those the cities, right, that I've, that I've been in. But for sure, nothing was like uh, last year or really the last couple of years. It's even more than that, even, even more times than that. So it has been an intense ride. And, you know, one thing that really kept me sane um, during these transitions was this sort of ritual that I had that I that I started having uh, more or less when I moved into a new place. And what I did is I would just 
walk out of my front door and just pick a direction and go and just start walking. Generally, I would walk, like I could walk uh, up to 15, 20 kilometers. I would just go and I would explore uh, all kinds, all like the surrounding neighborhoods, all the surrounding blocks. And I had no direction. I cared not where I would actually go. I just cared about the journey. Like in the journey to there, it just made me feel like I was really, really walking uh, you know, this this expression where you have to walk in your shoes. Uh, that's kind of what I was trying to do. You know, I was trying to uh, walk inside of my shoes so that they were getting used to the feeling of being in that area, right? And just quickly kind of overcome this feeling of uh, everything feeling alien, maybe. Maybe that's why I did it, right? And it really helped. And for one, for two, like I discovered a lot of weird, quirky little places. Um, around these areas, which maybe at some point, like when I moved away from there, it's not that I went back to those places, but now I have a much better reference of where everything is, right? In relation to where I am now, like I can connect those like puzzle pieces and say, oh, okay, I know where that is and I know where this is. And my favorite thing to do is discover these like either these little coffee shops and which are kind of abundant here in Warsaw or these little restaurants, which this is my favorite part of it, that have these mm, unique kind of menus built to the taste of the restaurant and built to the to the vibe of the restaurant if I can use that word but the point is you know this really helped it helped settle into the new city it helped it, it helped settle into the new neighborhood and for sure it is something that I really appreciate about moving into every so, so this is why like I'm so curious where you guys are at what your everyday looks like after two years of living here in Warsaw I have to admit that it hasn't been easy because I moved here in 2019 at the end of 2019 and the pandemic just basically exploded in 2020 beginning of 2020 so before spring hit you know we were on lockdown and then um, I had to go back to Kosovo for a while for like a year in the interim and now that I'm back here again I'm finally trying to really really make this place like my home um, and to feel like this is my city so I am now exploring and expanding kind of my lot my knowledge of where things are and where places are uh, that made me feel like yeah like this is my space and I know where I can go to find the energy that I'm craving for in any particular moment I can't wait to go to Kosovo and drive <laughs> drive around I'll say that much I know it's not environmental it's not exactly environmental friendly but I do love my Kiwi. It keeps me, it keeps this little child in me satisfied, I guess. This neighborhood kid. So I'm definitely one of those neighborhood kids. Uh, I grew up in the streets, basically. I don't uh, remember much of my childhood having been lived inside, indoors. Although, yes, there were moments when I was obsessed with The Sims 2 and Need for Speed and the like. I was a collector of sorts. I would have this like collection of Sims. Why am I going in this direction? I had this like collection of Sims 2 CDs. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, they're all lost now. I ha I don't I don't even know where they are, but I would remember all like the key codes. I don't know. Do you guys remember that when you would install a game initially, you would need like this code that you would input, and that made sure that basically you have like an original kind kind of game. And I'm not gonna lie, like you you're a Balkan kid, especially a kid from Kosovo. The early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s, you're barely gonna have a computer, much less like start to buy your games legitimately. So for sure there was like the trend in Kosovo as well of the pirated uh, CD shops and all that where you would literally go and you would buy a pirated CD. You would buy it with, with real money. And as a kid at the time, like two euros was a lot. Like one CD was two euros, it depended and when, when it got to like DVDs or Blu-rays, they were even more expensive. It was crazy times, man. Crazy times. And of course, by the time I got my own money and I got my own legitimate credit card, I started playing, I started paying for my own games. So, you know, I paid back to the industry. I, I That's for sure. And also now I pay back double because I work for the industry. So don't judge, don't judge, and I'm pretty sure that there are other people out there that have had a similar experience. Um, we live in the golden age, like in, in the in-between golden age, where we remember what floppy disks 
looked like. Have you ever used a floppy disk before in your life? I would be so curious to know. And have you then, like, have you seen a CD? Have you had to use a CD ever in your life? Do you even know what the cassette looks like? Like, have you used the cassette before? And I don't mean, like, music cassettes, like these, these little ones that you would put on radios. I'm talking about, like, movie cassettes, like the big ones that you would rent out, like, every holiday season. And you would watch something like the Terminator on it with their neighborhood friend. Like that's that was my post-war childhood. Post-war Kosovo was pretty damn cool because there was like an influx of technology, an influx of things from the outer world. Like the West came in pouring into our society, and we had so much to learn. That's even where I, I picked up my English accent from, like my American accent. Okay, like fine, I'll correct myself there. Uh, that's why I got my accent from. I started watching Cartoon Network like every day, all day long. When we finally got cable after the war was done, and like they were rebuilding the houses, and there were these—I'm not sure what they were called—but like the, these relief movements, basically that that came in. Like strangers were in our house; they were all foreign, and they came in and they were helping us. And most of them were with Kfar or UNICEF, or you know, just whoever basically could help started helping. And they then they also they installed cable TV and. Cartoon Network came with cable TV, so it was pretty cool. You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, like it was pretty cool. The the post of it, um, it ain't cool to live with the trauma of having had a, experienced and uh, survived a war. And I'm pretty sure, and I can guarantee you, the majority of the people hadn't don't remember it being this way. You know, still even that, even the rebuilding process, obviously it was a privilege that very few of us had. Um, but you know, safe to say that it 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 was for sure a colorful, colorful childhood that I know not a lot of people got to experience. But still, I know that this is what it is to be in neighborhood, to be like a kid that grew in the neighborhood, like that we played outside. And I don't want to be that. Are there any more of those like Facebook quizzes that test you to see where you can just see which character from the Disney movies you you are, or which age better represents your personality, or yada da da da? Like, or are you an adult in your real age? I should probably go do that just to check, just to you know do a quick reality check. Clearly, like uh, I come from an age of Facebook quizzes and like pop quizzes they used to share and it was a way to connect with people that were looking at the same things and maybe got the same results and you know you'd get that dopamine spike like ooh I got Rapunzel that's pretty cool I wonder who else was Rapunzel I wonder if my crush was also Rapunzel so yeah Facebook back when Facebook and social media was actually a means to connect to each other and you know I've been thinking a lot about this uh, I've been thinking a lot about connection and lack of it, actually. I've been thinking a lot about disconnection. And it's been a recurring topic in my mind to the extent that it's it's gotten to a point where every time I sit and I want to record a podcast episode, um, and it's the first one, the new one this year, like I go back to the one, this one kind of a mission statement that I made towards the beginning of the year. And I'm not going to call it a New Year's resolution, but I had a very low moment in my life. I had a very low few days and I was so low, in fact, that I wasn't really sure what was happening, but I just felt like an overwhelming surge of loneliness take over me. And I didn't understand where it was coming from, but just there was this feeling after the year began and then looking on to the rest of the year and saying, how, how are we going to do this? Like, how am I going to do this? What is even coming? <laughs> Being alone in Warsaw and living by yourself. And I'm sure those of you that are living by yourself out there uh, know what I mean when I say this, especially those of you that 
are not maybe in your countries, in your home countries, where you, you have most of your uh, support group, like base or, or or generally like just people that you've known for let's say more than a year, two years of life. Like if we, I've re I've come to realize and I've come to understand that what true connection is is beyond a feeling of love. True connection with a person is when. Literally, like I've been watching these videos of neurons connecting and coming together. I believe that the way that we connect with each other as human beings is very much the same. Like if you look, like go out there and Google what neuroscience is doing these days, by the way, because it is absolutely fascinating that now we live in a day and age where we can actually record how neurons interact with each other in real time. And it is ridiculously fascinating to see this in action. It is like philosophy coming to life. It is like poetry coming to life. You look back on human evolution. You look back on, let's you look at anything that psychology says, and we can start to notice, at least maybe I am far too enthusiastic about it, but I can already see some of the patterns of our human psyche and how we connect to each other and how our neurons, our deepest, deepest pattern of being, actually is enacted and it's the same it's it's basically there is a parallel there that we either enacted so we enacted our deepest patterns and we are nothing more than a replication of a pattern within we are a pattern within a pattern within a pattern within a pattern right we are a speckle of dust of the universe like this is this is it's this seems to be the recurring pattern of life itself and I find that fascinating. So if you have time, like you should go and look up neuroscience and I'll go back to my point, what I was talking about. Like you will, you will come to see that there is a specific neuron, like there is a specific process of neurons coming together. Like first, um, first the neuron is, is there is basically from, from, from what I can, from what I can see from the pictures, right? There is a way that neurons are connecting and neuron, two neurons connecting to each other. I talked about this in the previous episode. I even just briefly touched on it and I'm still not going to deep dive into it because I need to read a lot more books and I need to understand a lot more of the theory and of the science behind it uh but you know nothing stops me from philosophizing and and having like my my philosopher mind and my artistic mind kind of having having a go at it and going a little bit of a little bit crazy with it and seeing just what else I can just dig up from this piece new piece newfound piece of information and understanding of the world um so when these two neurons are connecting to each other they're they're transferring hormones right they're like now they're 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 basically sharing their juices with one another and, and these neurons they produce and they're they're basically sharing but they're also receiving right I said last time if you if you've listened to a previous episode, I'll repeat it briefly. It's like breathing into each other's mouth. That is the connection between the two neurons, breathing into each other's mouth. That's absolutely poetic. But beyond that, it is very, very important what these neurons are giving to each other. But beyond that, the act of this connection permanently changes the two neurons changes them and that means that those if those neurons are changed then the brain of its wearer is going to also then the the brain the human the brain of the human in which this neuron is or on yeah in which this neuron inhabits the human itself also is going to change we also change when our neurons change because who we are a huge part of who we are is actually are neurons connecting to each other and communicating with one another and then making sure that it is communicating with the rest of your body like that is basically your generator right and it is interesting to me to see this process and your neurons can also disconnect right and that can be traumatic and then immediately they will start to look for another neuron to connect to it's, it's as if they were just they were made it's almost as if they were made to connect. And it is the same pattern with us, right? When we are alone, we know that we are creatures. 
we know that we are social creatures, but beyond, have we really ever thought about in depth what that means? Like, why are we driven to connect to other people? Why are we social creatures beyond our process of evolution, beyond the fact that evolution has told us that there is strength in numbers, that we only survive when we are together? In today's day and age, we understand that actually there are lone wolves out there that can survive. And even a lot of people actually reject communities and they seek to escape from communities and to have their lone wolf experience, to see what the world is like out there outside of this overwhelming social interchange, social interconnection. Because the web can get so big and so overwhelming because then you there are expectations of you as an entity, as a person within that huge that huge network. There are expectations of you and now you need to show up and now you need to do a certain thing or to be a certain somebody and you have to play this role and then it becomes exhausting because you have to keep providing and you have to also find ways where you get what you need to get right? You have to find ways to sustain yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever, right? You have to find a way to get if what you're giving and to, to balance really what you're giving. And this balance, ideally, right, is coming from within. But a lot of us, and I think our na the natural thing currently for us to do is to look for those, for, to look for that balance outside of us. So if we're overgiving, then we are most likely overtaking from the people around us. And it depends how we balance this. Uh, this is a huge topic, actually, to dive into. And beyond this balance between the give and the take that we have with other people, it is impossible for us to actually understand when we're over, when we're giving too much and when we're taking too much, especially if the person or if they're, if you, between you and whoever else you're connected to, there is no clear path of communication of who's giving what and um, generally like of, of how you feel within that connection because this is the most important way for us to understand what is our current state of being in this moment in time what do i feel it's like we assess ourselves within this world within this realm of reality or whatever we want to call it right i assess myself i assess my status and i and if i can't answer that question clearly i have been keeping myself away from that center core because I am simply trying to survive, you know, in survival mode. And this can be enticed either by from physical threats, but it can also be um, enticed if you're exposed to an emotional threat or like a mental, mental threat. Anyway, any kind of threat, essentially, that your brain can foresee as a ch as an abrupt change of scenery or, you know, as a risk to your overall being, be that emotional as well like that absolutely matters or mental as well or you know physical of course like this is our primary instinct i would say where we can detect danger but as a danger response we've also evolved beyond that beyond our physicality to also consider these other realms to be as valid of threats right and this triggers our survival mode and what's going to happen in our survival mode um is the first thing that gets cut off when you are trying to survive is feelings, it's emotion, because you don't need those. You don't need fear and anxiety to survive. You actually need them shut up or toned down, right? And survival mode cuts them off and pumps your body with adrenaline and makes you essentially aware now, hyper aware of your environment and hyper aware of, of the other people around you. And now you can then manifest different kinds of behaviors against your environment because you're going to treat things, more things maybe than you did before or outside of survival mode. You're going to treat a lot more things as a threat. And survival mode isn't meant to last for long, right? Survival mode is, is meant to last for as long as the threat is in your immediate surrounding. But sometimes, as we very well know, like, especially emotional or mental, like psychological threats, for example, um, these can last 
far longer than five minutes or an hour or a day or five months even like it can sometimes last for years if we are in uh in some sort of toxic environment or uh our communities or our families or whatever it is right what or even at work it doesn't matter where we are but this state of mind and state of being can be prolonged and then this ex prolonged exposure to stress and anxiety then starts to actually make physical changes to our bodies because our bodies at the end of the day are perfectly well-oiled machines right when we are when when we are in our in a state of homeostasis then our body is let's say in its in its optimal flow experience right like it is working optimally uh, but we have so many things that change in in our daily lives, like on the day to day, because the world that we live in today is so loud and noisy. And I don't just mean auditory wise; I'm, I mean on every aspect. You know, there's new information. Uh, if I, I'll even go as far as call it information overflow, it is all up to us and essentially our responsibility to maintain this flow between the outside and the inside so that our homeostasis can be maintained and can be achieved. And that's in and of itself, that's a lot of pressure for any human being, right? So we seek communities, we seek to connect to those around us, which can then alleviate some of this responsibility by making you feel like you are part of this group and we already have some answers. So here are some answers for you. So let's say, for example, um, you go into a group and this group is already established that they eat breakfast at 9 a.m. And then there is this whole ritual about eating breakfast at 9 a.m. And everybody sits down and they eat the same thing every day of the week. And that's what they do. Like that is the one truth that they know. And if you ask them over the course of time, like if you ask them, why do you do this? And they just say, well, because it's good for us. Well, because our forefathers and foremothers have done this. And, you know, look at where we are today. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Right. So then they establish this routine, this quote unquote perceived healthy routine for that community because it has sustained them because it has kept them healthy at least from their um, subjective perspective of what it means to be healthy and their bodies have balanced itself right it has let me use the word calibrated here it has calibrated to that state of well-being to that homeostasis so to speak there is an original homeostasis that we have as human beings, right? This, this is what I'm arguing. This is what I'm uh, theorizing, debating, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this state of homeostasis can be sort of overwritten, and it is overwritten over the course of our lives as we are growing up as part of our families and as part of our other and, and as part of the communities that we take part in uh, throughout the course of our lives that is going to overwrite our default state that is going to overwrite what our body considers to be homeostasis so what do i need in my surroundings to actually maintain a homeostasis in my body and to realize that some of those stuff might not be exactly healthy and at some point might begin to cause problems especially when you are removed from that society now this is a fascinating thing that I have noticed in my life, at least in the, these last few years of my life, when I personally, I've, I've removed myself from my previous community because I've had to. I've had to leave everything that I know behind and I've had to go after, basically go outside of my country, with Kosovo, and I've had to start my life somewhere completely different. Although not that different because a lot here in Poland is very much the same. It's still Eastern Europe to say the least. And um, a lot of the mentality here is shared. But what I don't have is my community, our foods, the way we speak, the way we say things, the way we even feel, even down to the point where because of the war, we have grown into a society that now, still now, exists within a state of survival mode, right? They and, and it has become a norm, really. And apparently in psychology, like this is known as a real thing. Countries and communities of people that have uh, had like g essentially uh, an overhaul of trauma, basically not an overhaul. Let's say communities and societies that have gone through war recently. It takes, I don't want to be too pessimistic here, but apparently it can't take up to a century more than a century 
to get over war, to get over the damage done to, to humanity on that scale. That's how deeply it destroys our human spirit. And it has been only 22 years since the Kosovo, uh, the war between Kosovo and Serbia has ended. Right. So I'm, and I'm only taking Kosovo as an example. So that's just Kosovo. I'm, I don't, uh, I'm not going to dive into the state of Eastern Europe. And there's generally that it is ridiculously interesting why we share a lot of the same patterns in how our mentalities actually operate. So we are less likely to, to, to change. We are a lot more set in our ways. We are a lot more close-minded, no matter what kind of information that we get. We can be a lot more ignorant, like willfully ignorant, because uh, ultimately ignorance is bliss. And for sure, we don't know how to talk about feelings. We Most of us have grown kind of to become these uh, avid rationalizers of our feelings. And when we speak about our feelings, uh, this uh, our society, at least, at least back home, you know, they, there's this tendency to shut it down because you don't need it. You know, I can't tell you how many times over my life, honestly, literally, I cannot tell you how many times because it just it is a common thing, really, to say I feel something. I feel sad. I feel upset. I feel angry. I feel. Uh, I don't know. I feel lonely. I feel in. I'm in love. I'm whatever. And people just tell you, oh, it's okay. It'll whatever. It'll pass. Like get over it. It'll be over soon. Don't worry about that. Like don't don't you worry about those feelings. It'll be over soon. Heitzit kalan. This is the expression. So we've been told constantly over the, our years to shut it down so that we can then keep living in this society. We were given these answers, right? Like you were given these answers of how you're even supposed to feel and what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed, where you're, what you're supposed to like and what you're not supposed to like, right? There's these, these communities that live uh, in survival mode for so long have a tendency to, de to develop all of the answers. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it sounds. And then they fight, right? They fight you and they try not to let you do it. Now, I don't have any particular examples in mind because there's like thousands of them. And my brain is struggling right now to be able to grab onto anything. But I'm pretty sure you yourself can, if you've been exposed to this kind of mentality, um, or if you've just seen, if you've been exposed to closed-mindedness, you know how it works, right? It's hard to convince them um, to of something different than the ways that they are already set into. And there's no telling, really, what's good or wrong. There's no real purpose to subjectivity when it comes to survival. You need to be objective and you need to know right then and there what you're supposed to do. And I can understand and I can appreciate this behavior in the adults, for example, that were surrounding me when I was a kid. And we were going through um, either in the process of escaping from the war zone or uh, in the process of recuperating and going back home and rebuilding, right? I can understand why our parents didn't really care much for how sad they were feeling or how depressed they were or how much of a trauma they had just experienced. But they just told us to get over ourselves and get to work because that is the best way, quote unquote, that's the best way to get over things is to get back out there and to keep working and to keep pushing. And so many people have completely lost their ways. There's generations of people really lost that we can even recognize back home that these are people that have abandoned their dreams and hopes and have just decided to forever settle in life. And all this essentially the whole purpose of this, of this broad connection of people, broad connection of neurons, this, this conglomerate of neurons connecting to one another, what makes our brain, right? Like think of a picture, think of your brain and think of the billions and trillions of neurons that actually live in your brain and keep you alive. Think of your brain, think of this huge billion uh, neuron connections, this network that exists in that exists in your brain and makes you you. It makes it possible for you to be aware of you. It makes it possible for you to even think about you thinking. 
So you can almost observe yourself in living life. Now, zoom out a little bit more and see yourself as part of that neuron system. But the neuron that you're looking, the neuron connection that you're looking at now, the neural network that you're looking at now is you and the people around you, the people that you've connected to, the society that you inhabit and how you are actually giving and taking from that society. And there is one very, very special saying that I've heard, and I keep going back to it for all. And I, I think I believe, I believe that it has sort of shaped the way that I see the world and it's changed it forever. And I don't know of its credibility uh, because I heard it so young when I was a child. It was told by a cousin of mine. She told it to me like a bedtime story one day. I was very young. She said, you want to change the world? then you start within. There are seven circles to actually being able to change the world. The, the closest, the, the smallest circle is made up of you. So the, the closest circle is you. That is made up of you, yourself, um, and what you can do in your capacity and your responsibilities. Um, beyond yourself, like the next circle that it expands to is your family. So the people in your immediate surroundings, who you surround yourself with. Then beyond that level of impact, you expand, it ripples down further into your neighborhood, right? And then beyond your neighborhood, uh, it will be able to ripple further down into your community, okay? Like city, let's say. Um, and bigger than that even is your national identity. Identity, so your country and beyond that is the rest the seventh circle is the rest of the world and if you wish to make change truly if you wish wish to change the world you can't stop from the you cannot start from the outermost layer because you cannot possibly you cannot possibly extend yourself that wide that far and wide to cover all that ground but what you can absolutely rely on is that the ripple effect of the changes that you start with within yourself are going to be felt and are going to ripple through these circle of circles of social impact circles of impact let's say and this saying has followed me ever since and it is true to be honest with you it is very simple that it is true i don't know if it's if its origin is in Native American culture. But what I can tell you is that whoever came up with it is absolutely right. If we want to change the out, uh, if we want to make change truly, if we truly want to shoot for change, we have to be part of that change. We cannot be the change, but we have to be part of the change. So we start by making it within ourselves and then we can spread that in our in the people around us because that is how influence works right like you're communicating you're talking to people you're connected to people and eventually that will spread and they are connected to their people and more people and this way it will cascade and it will ripple onto hopefully if it sustains itself to the rest of the world it all depends right so there is flow and there is a beginning and then an end of something. So you have to start from within. And this idea where I'm going with this, right? I'm trying to really put put a highlight in how important it is to understand how we connect to people and how uh, and what kind of people and what kind of uh, values I'm going to say, not even people at this point, but really put it on an, an objective term. What kind of values are we connecting to? And if we're if we have exposure to the proper values in our environment and what we do when we don't have this exposure to the uh, kind of environment that helps us thrive and enables us to thrive. If our environment is taking too much from us, if it is, let's say, some sort of culture, vampiric culture, where I'm constantly feeling drained and I'm constantly feeling the need to have to distract myself and keep myself away from this community or that, that, that environment, whatever it is, then what I might be told is that I'm not thriving in this environment and how can I regain, right? My, my instinct is, okay, I need to regain control of this because I cannot be in survival mode for the rest of my life. This is not good for the body. It's not healthy for us in any which way. And neither is it healthy for our environment then in turn, right? This is, we are part of the cycle. It doesn't end or begin with us. We are simply part of the cycle. We are part of this huge neural connection and we all play our part, but it doesn't begin or end with us, right? It takes, in uh, this realization of mine, being here and having been like overwhelmed with this feeling of loneliness, I realized that I had been disconnected from my primary community. I had been disconnected and it's not the first time that I do this. Like I have done this, I've lived outside of my country for many times before actually, but this and for longer periods of time. But this time it felt different because I moved for 
quote unquote for good. I moved out of Kosovo with the intent of living outside of Kosovo for well, an unforeseeable future and what this means to me. And not to mention that immediately you are categorized by the origin uh, community, the original community. You're categorized as an immigrant, right? So now you have, or emigrant, you have left the country and you have migrated somewhere else uh, to find a better future than you had in that original community. And this is a very, very sad realization uh, beyond this idea that, oh, like, you know what, uh, what I'm going to be, you know, it's so exciting. I'm going to be living in a different country. Like, obviously, this is all this is all curious, right? Like th this all feeds your curiosity. And this is all very interesting. And uh, it is captivating and kind of keeps you in this loop of, of discovery, of constant discovery, and even gets you in a loop of self-discovery. Because now that you're disconnected from the community, you have to you guessed it, make your own. And you have to understand now that what your values were in that community are maybe not going to serve you in this new environment. And now the real change begins. I think it was this kind of split, this dichotomy between the two, this, this ultimate difference between where do I come from? Who am I, right? As in, where do I come from? To who am I? As in, what is my optimal experience? And how can I ensure this for myself? Like, how can I give myself? Or how can I put myself or push myself or get to this point, become this person or, or become more of that person that is being, that is essentially thriving, right? In this environment, in that environment, wherever. So you more often than not, when you're disconnected from whatever community, what we tend to do is we tend to turn to ourselves. And that's for sure what's happened in my case. Beyond that, though, I have to I have to say that looking back on that community and thinking, I wish I was there because you obviously you miss yourself being in part of this community. You miss yourself reconnecting to that neural network because it feeds you. Ultimately, whether it be good or bad, it feeds your body. If anything, it's a dopamine rush in and of itself. It fulfills the cycle of a dopamine request. It feeds our egos and it makes us feel seen and secure, right? Even if it is actually harming us because we don't know better than to connect to that system, than to connect to a system in which makes us feel safe. And it obviously answers a lot of questions for us that we don't want to have to answer in a very overwhelming time of our lives right? So it's easy. And I'm not going to say it's easy as in it's the easy way out. Absolutely not. Because it isn't. It has its own difficulties within that difficulty of itself, right? Within itself, it has difficulties because living in that sort of environment can't be excruciating. It can change you to the core, to the extent that you feel like you lose yourself, especially if the environment is taking from you, especially if you want to thrive, if you wish not to settle for the status quo and you wish to evolve, you wish to be part of the force that evolves and that is part of the force of change. And now you are fighting against an incredibly powerful force, an incredibly powerful neural network that has already established their optimal sp uh, state of survival, state of existence, right? And now you trying to change this, or if we would go inside of that system and try to change things, we would be seen as the, uh, the if not the outcast, if we cannot be pushed aside, we will be hmm, educated into that system. Or if we cannot be educated into that system, then we will be somehow forced, enforced that system. And I know I already hear my parents going like, what? Like, we've told you better. You know better than this. Like, you know, you know that this is not what you're supposed to do. You, This is what you're supposed to do. And beyond that, like your families, your relatives, people all over, people all around telling you, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be doing this. So we hear this a lot. And I... Uh, what used to be sort of uh, a uh, catalyst to a rebel in me saying, oh, I'll show you what I'm supposed to do, right? What used to be this catalyst, now actually I see it as simply, like it is just a system, a, a system which is trying a network of, of a neural network of social connection of humans 
that are trying to survive. They're trying to do the best that they can with the best information that they have, or rather they don't, they, they are doing the best with what they know. And because they are so set in their ways, it is hard for them to accept new information and that there might be better ways to do things. So to change that, right? Going back to the example of the seven circles, what is your area of influence? To change that piece of the circle, you have to start within. And starting within is never easy because working with our values is just about the hardest things that we do as human beings. Like in this particular case, it is a very specific case scenario where, you know, the fact that I disconnected from a previous community and came into a new one where now I'm, I'm basically a stranger. I'm a stranger to the world. I am he, I am quote unquote, the lone wolf. It's not that you can't go out there and meet people and connect to people. Absolutely not. Like that, of course, that's not the case. There are so many mediums out there where you can just have either very superficial connections or connect in your own ways with people. In my case, I can't develop a super superficial connection with people. So I have difficulties actually connecting to people just for the sake of connecting. I have to have something more there for me to feel fulfilled and for me to feel like there is something that I'm giving from this relationship or from this connection, but then there is also something that I can take, like I can feed my curiosity and thus I'm, I'm giving empathy, I'm giving sympathy, I'm giving attention, et cetera, et cetera, right? This like this give and take ratio for me though, like internal give and take system in my brain were absolutely broken because I was just so used, I had to grown into being this, 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 this person that constantly gave and really didn't know when I was not capable of giving more, you know, and I thought, I felt that if I reached that cap, that maximum capacity that I had to give, I, something was wrong with me. And now if something was wrong and something didn't work, it was clearly my fault because I couldn't do more. There was probably something that I could do. And I strived and I strived and I, stri I kept I kept struggling and I kind of got into this like hamster wheel, right? Even though I was stuck in a hamster wheel, constantly attempting to run and keep it like circling and circling and spinning because I felt like I had, I have to do something. There is something that I can do, something that, uh, AKA something that I can give, right? And, and without realizing that actually, well, wait on, we hold up a minute because there it's, it's an economy for a reason, right? Your body, it's all about balance. We are all about balance. Life is all about balance. You can't possibly, we can't possibly live in a state of being where we are either always taking or either always giving because the taking, right, turns into, turns us into creatures that are too self-absorbed. And then obviously if we keep taking, there are, oh man, I, Maybe let us, let us not go into a direct comparison over a person who is constantly taking and a person that is constantly giving because this op just opened up uh, a different kind of treasury in my mind in terms of uh, how this works in psychology and how this actually translates into all kinds of mental disorders and where that could be coming from. Because this topic of conversation is actually about connection and about how we seek to make these connections. Um, and primarily actually uh, where, I, I guess where I'm going with this is that I really, really want to dive into the next few episodes. I wanna dive into this topic of connection uh, and what lack of it actually does to us and what it truly means to connect to someone and remember right like now we are at our origin story where does it all begin what are our values what are our parameters for connection and how can we change that how can we enforce that how basically we talked about boundaries before this is one way to enforce that to enforce or after you realize and after you recognize your values and your positioning in the world you can then establish boundaries and then you can have these sort of base parameters that allow um that allow you that allow us to connect to healthier and uh yeah healthier relationships healthier communities that's really what it is all about, right? It's not just about person to person, but it is about the community that you become a part of, that you create around you. And it can be suffocating, truly. Like, uh, 
Uh, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm not speaking just for few people, but I'm, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty much speaking about all of my friends, all of my people, all of the people in my life that I've been observing over the years and I've been talking to over the years. We've been going on in-depth conversations for countless hours over countless days and evenings. And we realize that truly like in a society, in a community where you don't thrive, it is difficult for you to be happy, if not impossible. For sure, part of the happiness, part of the joy is in the journey. And for sure, you can get, you can get those beautiful moments in the meantime. You can get those pieces, those, those, those like uh, moments where you can just stop and catch a breath, you know, where you can breathe deep and feel your lungs fill with air and life. And you can look into the eyes of a lover or into the eyes of a friend and feel true love reflected back to you. And you can feel that light and that warmth kind of resonating from their inside. And you can feel it coming, seeping through their eyes and pour it onto you. And those moments make you feel alive. Those moments make you feel like you can do this, right? Another day. You you can survive. And this is truly the reminder to us that we are social creatures and we we crave that, we need that. But most importantly, though, we need to understand where it's really coming from. Is it coming from the fact that we are feeding these patterns and these values in our brain that have been uh, overridden, let's say, by our communities around us and they don't actually benefit us? Or are they truly truly beneficial for the community for yourself primarily and then will they be truly beneficial for your families for your uh, neighborhoods and further on communities etc right then it would 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 these values be something that you would think of it like this right would these values be something that you would carry on into the rest of the world and teach it to them would you teach this value to someone? Would you look at the child and truly say, yes, this will benefit you if you are fully aware of what it does to you? That, to me, is a true measurement of what a value will bring to that community. And of course, it is highly subjective. It depends on, the, it's, you need to understand the complete the context of of the person right or of the environment and of the surroundings sometimes it is necessary you know remedy essentially humans are highly adaptable creatures we need to be aware of these seeds that have been planted and now that they, we are reaping into our adulthood and uh part of the process for me has been now uh removed from uh, now that I have left behind let's say my original community now trying to make my own uh, place in the world and understanding how does one go about establishing that not like it's my responsibility to build the community here absolutely not right like no that's not that's this is not the goal nor is it the nor is it really realistic to be honest with you right it takes um, it takes I think more than a century to build a true community of people although uh, it is interesting, right? Because anywhere we go, anywhere, even at work or no matter where we go, we tend to create families, right? We tend to create these small bubbles of people we we find and that fit to our values and fit to how we see ourselves like living for the most part, right? And then these people give us life. And then these people are our chosen people. We consider to be our chosen people, people that uh, we actually had a choice in having in our lives versus the people that we were brought into our lives right with um so this the, the goal for me at this stage of life and what i want to do for the next uh, podcast episodes because we're almost running out of time what i want to do for the next few episodes is i want to talk about this and i want to talk and i want to call the series i don't know how to connect with you because, and why I want to name them this way is because that's where it came from. It was a moment of realization of a really, let's, I don't know, I want to, I want to say disheartening realization, but it hasn't been demotivating as much as it has been enlightening. Uh, the, the fact that, well, no, I actually don't know how to connect with this here part of the universe, right? Because I don't truly know what my real values are. Right. If I have a kid outside of that environment, what is that? What am I going to teach that child? Right. This is just for one example. And who am I now? Who am I in this in in this community of one? 
And if I were to join a bigger community, what would that community look like? What would that community be? Beyond obviously seeking human satisfaction and just like moments of pure, like you just want to feel like you belong somewhere. That's for sure a natural human craving. But beyond that, a deeper, deeper feeling still is you feeling like you can contribute to this community and you feeling like you can definitely like what you do and how you contribute how you give to this community is actually going to help the community thrive this is ultimately what leads to our happiness because it because it translates into an optimal experience right remember an optimal experience is not just about where you are right now but it is about everything around you it's about you your internal ecosystem but also the external ecosystem the atmosphere that you create around you is going to definitely contribute to how you feel because it will contribute for sure into how people feel around you right and this kind of being aware of this and aware of how we affect each other can be uh, very healthy for society. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give you one example and then for sure I will actually, this time I will not read a, uh, a journal entry because I think this podcast was more about just diving deep into this particular topic and the journal entry I will read next time. It will be a prompt, so to speak. I will actually be in Kosovo. So I think this is the perfect time to do something like this because I really want to be able to sort of deconstruct this change. I really think that there's something here to tap into like a sort of I want I, I don't want to say experiential knowledge but for sure I can see a pattern in this development and I look around me and I am much more aware obviously I've read a lot more about the topic now and read a lot and understand a lot more about the human psyche now than I did before that makes it possible for me to better connect these dots right but i really think that there's something here and to you listener if you've if you've come this far like thank you and i would love for you to take some time if if uh, some of this resonated with you please if you're listening on spotify i know that they have a link there where you can send your voice messages to me and i can listen to them and maybe try to incorporate them in the next episodes i would love to try this and for sure if you're on the other side and you're listening and you have some story to share please share yours like I would love to share it with the world and I would love to add it sort of add that piece to this puzzle if there is a puzzle here that is building or if there really isn't right human connection I don't know how to connect with you okay so now I'm trying to learn that's maybe the name of this episode um, so thank you for coming this far. I do want to end it there with, I want to end it with a story, right? Cause we were talking about influence and how we can actually, um, how our inner ecosystem can affect the outer ecosystem or how our inner values can affect the value, can affect the ecosystem outside of us. And um, because it, it, it basically directly translates into actions, into actions of ours into the world. And I'll give you a very simple example of this. I'm looking forward to hearing yours. So the other day, I got on an Uber. I was going for my physiotherapy uh, appointment and the Uber guy, you know, usually in Uber, they don't really speak. They don't really say much. They just say, you know, good evening and good night. Some of them can be talkative, right? If you've been on an Uber ride, most of the times it's just going to be somebody that's minding their own business and you're minding your own business. Uh, you say hello, you are polite, and then you just wait until you get to the destination and you say good night. Uh, so I don't know, right? I, at least this is my process. I walk in, I say good day. Sometimes we strike up a conversation. More often than not, they're asking me if I'm talking on the phone to somebody in Albanian. They're asking me like, oh, so where are you from? Like, what kind of language is that? I've never heard that before. And it's interesting. But this guy, he just stayed silent. He didn't say anything. And I'll tell you, he looked kind of like, he looked brutish. Like he was, he was this brooding man, uh, just staring out like with a heck with a cap in his head, uh, that his beard started to grow. Like it was, it was already gruffy and he looked like Jason Statham. And I take out a piece of gum and I chew the gum. You know, he's not, he's not really making any kind of faces. He's just that bad looking ahead and taking me to the destination. I take a piece of gum and I just, I, I, I'm just extending it to him. And I say, hey, we were at a red light. I extend it. And I say, hey, do you want gum? And he looks at the pack and he looks at me and he's just like, no. And he's in genuine disbelief. This man is in genuine disbelief. He looks at me and then... He sees that I'm serious, like, yeah, like, you're sure? He says, yeah, 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 no, thank you, thank you. And he starts smiling, 
and he starts smiling and he doesn't stop smiling until we get to the destination. Like I'm back doing my business. I'm back doing my thing. I had my headphones on. I was then listening to music. Like I started listening again, but I was looking at his face. I will never forget how his face sort of lit up. I don't know if it was the gesture or perhaps he just, but I think it was because there was this, this look on his face, this, this look of genuine confusion. Like he was so, he was so taken by surprise, genuine surprise, not confusion. He was so taken by surprise. He couldn't believe what just happened. Like he couldn't believe, I don't know what he couldn't believe. Now I'm assuming his thoughts, but as a bit of an empath, like I can, I could see him kind of wondering, like with a, with a smirky smile on his face, like, wow, you know, wow. I was just offered gum. Like <laughs> she was offered gum. And this is just, just a very, I, I will leave you, listener, with this very simple example, because it really made me think, and it happened just two days ago, it really made me think, how, is, why is it so simple, why is it so easy to do these small acts, I don't even know if I can call them acts of kindness, this is common courtesy, Right. And even common courtesy is not so common anymore to some extent, Bill, because our values are changing and that's for sure. But then also, no, our, our, our true core values as human beings, I think, are kind of being lost to us because we are so lost chasing after an identity to 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 be or become or just identify as makes it easier to go through life that way. Right. For the aforementioned reasons. But I would much rather spend some time uh, internally and trying to figure it out and always be happy that there is such a system out there that when we are overwhelmed and when we are incapable of doing things, we can find some comfort in these communities around us. And the Internet has made it possible for that community to not even, you know, to be within reach at all times and to even be created in a virtual realm. Right. Like and more and more, we obviously are moving towards that. But social media is going to be part of another topic because for sure, I have noticed some uh, patterns there as well. Uh, and I would love to delve to delve deep into those. So as part, welcome to to this uh, to the, yet another episode of uh, you witnessing my process of metacognition of, of almost thinking of about thinking uh, and trying to discover the the patterns of the human psyche and I hope that you enjoyed uh, this train of thought. Please remember to definitely leave the voice message if you have the time. Don't be shy. I won't share if uh, you just tell me not to in the end, like, or in the beginning, whatever. You can tell me not to share, but I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to try that. I've never tried it, but it's it's there. The feature is there. So maybe let's use it. So I will see you in another episode where some of the topics that I wanted to discuss were like the ego versus the self. Oof, this is going to be a really good one to get to. Um, and dopamine economy, like there's so much out there on dopamine economy right now that I'm really looking forward to delving deep into and also understanding of how we humans are actually creatures of feeling and not of thought and how thought translates our feelings into something that can objectively ensure our survivals and how thought has developed directly as a system of capacity, uh, a system of survival, an extended system of survival mechanism, of a survival mechanism. These topics are endless, essentially, for as long as we live, for as long as we see humanity grow. Uh, these topics are going to be around and we're going to learn more and more and more as the sciences evolve. So thank you for joining me in this journey. I hope that you found something in this flow that you can use to feed into yours. I bid you good night.